Amen. He is holy, isn't he? Woo, man. I think our sister should have just went on a little bit longer. Man, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Man, I'm telling you. I like when those little doodads run into each other on me, you know, and uh, kind of explode and just get that presence of the Lord, man. There's nothing greater than being in his presence tonight, church. He can do more than I can do in 10 minutes. He can do more in one second. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, we're glad that you're here tonight and, and glad that you come out and took time out of your busy schedules to, to be with us in the house of the Lord. And, and um, I, uh, I, I uh, thought tonight that uh, there's, there's good things and there's bad things that happens to people. And... Uh, well, let me let me say this first. I wasn't going to do this, but I think I will. Uh, April and Chuck, they they love the Lord, but also they are very competitive against each other. They love sports, and they always toss them back and forth about sports and stuff. And they like basketball, they like baseball, and they like football. Me and Chuck is Dallas fans. Go Dallas! We're Dallas fans. <laughs> so, but him and April, they love to. Baseball Cardinals and stuff, and man, they're just so deep into it. They uh, they uh, promised each other. Chuck said, "Listen, hun, you make my heart peanut butter, heart pump peanut butter all the time. And if you something happened to you, it's going to tear me apart. But if if you die before I do, will you please? And I'm sure you've heard this, some of you. Would you please come back and let me know if there's baseball in heaven?" April said, well, of course, honey, you know I'll do that. But listen, Chuck, you got to promise me the same thing. <laughs> Chuck said, sure, I will. Well, it wasn't long after that commitment that they made to each other. Old Chuck gave up the ghost. And he died and he went to heaven. And April was running around here on earth thinking, my husband told me he was going to come back and let me know if there was baseball. She wasn't worried about him. She was worried about if there was baseball in heaven or not. So wasn't long, old Chuck somehow visited her and oh honey I'm so glad to see you you got to tell me is there baseball in heaven and he said babe he said I got some good news and some bad news and he said oh yeah she said yeah he said yeah he said the good news is there's baseball in heaven oh great what's the bad news you're pitching Friday <laughs> amen so some some things are just terrible at times but um, uh I want to talk just a little bit about there is there is times that there is things that uh, is good and there is things that uh, is bad. There is some good news and there is some bad news. Uh, Joseph, the guy that had the coat of many colors, his dad loved him and that was good. That's good news. 
His dad loved him so much, he made him a coat. He was the youngest child, and he, uh, he was just a, a great little lad. And you know how it is sometimes. You got the last child, and they're the baby at home. Uh, and sometimes the older kids get a little bit upset because that child seems to get by with murder where they didn't get by with it. And uh, so uh, Joseph was that type of kid. But the bad thing about it was he had his brothers that literally hated him. Did not like him whatsoever, uh, so much that they sold him into slavery and they tore up the coat and made blood get all over it, just like an animal ate him. And so there's people like that all over the world. Uh, good and bad happens to us. Joseph's life is bad news and good news together. God took everything that was bad and turned it around for Joseph's good. But also on the other side of that coin, there was a man by the name of Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah was a good guy and uh, a lot of things that happened in his life. Well, one time there was a king that come and, and uh, not the king come, but the uh, king of uh, Assyria come and said, listen, uh, the king wants you. He's the biggest, he's the baddest, he's the meanest king around. And he's wanting to destroy your kingdom, Hezekiah. He's wanting to take everything away from you that you have been blessed with. He's wanting to take all the things that we have in this country and he's wanting to destroy you because that king doesn't like you. Matter of fact, the king wrote a bad letter to him and uh, the king told him about things that was going on and said, listen, said, I don't like you very much. He received a letter, a message, and he read it. It was one of those threatening letters from a more powerful king. And it was a threatening letter that he wanted to take down his kingdom. His life was uh, kind of uh, part of the Assyrian, the, the king of Assyria said, I want to do it and I want to destroy you, Hezekiah, and I want to do everything I can to do away with your kingdom. And uh, since kind of like a spreadsheet to him through this man. And, and uh, so as he began to send this spreadsheet out to this man and begin to tell Hezekiah of all the things that he wanted to do to him, uh, Hezekiah began to be fearful and he began to pray and he began to get scared and he began to pray. And he began to ask the Lord some things. He said, Lord, he said, he, he went into the place to pray unto God. And, he, and the Bible says he went down and spread himself. And he began to uh, pray that God would intervene on their behalf. And, and uh, uh, the, 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 the king that sent the messengers told the people, said, listen, don't let Hezekiah lie to you that God's going to do something, that God's going to make a way. He said, listen, uh, it's not going to happen the way Hezekiah thinks it's going to happen. It's not going to happen even close to that way. So uh, he began to, to tell the people all kinds of stuff. And, and as the uh, king of Assyria was a powerful king, the people began to fear. But Hezekiah began to think about the Lord and begin to think about his, uh, uh, you know, God, you, you're able, you're able, God, to somehow intervene upon this behalf of mine. And he began to uh, lay himself, whether it's prostate or whatever, but it said he spread himself 
himself. And he began to cry out to God that God would just somehow intervene upon his behalf. Uh, instead of running to his soldiers and saying, listen, uh, guys, we got to figure this out militarily. We've got to figure out how much men we can go to battle with and, and what our options is here and all the things that we need to do and what weapons we got, what things that we can get a hold of. Maybe if there's another country somewhere that will help us. He didn't do that. The Bible says he went right into the place and began to pray and to ask God. God, I, I, I need you. He, he wrote it down, or they wrote it down, and he took it before the Lord and it said, the king of, is wanting to destroy your people and, and do away with everything and, and blah, 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 and on, on, et cetera, and begins to tell him how bad that he wanted to destroy Hezekiah and his people. One of the things I always thought that was powerful about Hezekiah is that he knew where to go. In the time of trouble, he knew where to go to. The Bible said that he didn't lean to his own understanding, but he acknowledged God. And sometimes we're like a lot of people. We'll try to figure out our own problems. We'll try to solve things our way. Instead of going before the Lord and, and uh, writing things down as we should write them down, we, we just simply look at ourselves sometimes and we, we, uh, we, we look at ourselves at a different place and time and we think, well, you know, God, <clears throat> I think everything's going to be okay. But if it don't, I think what I'm going to do with this mortgage of mine, I'm, I'm getting behind on my bills. But what I really think I'm going to do, God, is I'll go put out another loan on my house. And sometimes we, we try to reason ourselves what we think going to happen. But in Hezekiah chapter 18, and I'll read it to you real quick, verse 27. It says, but the, man, I'm not good at this words either, pronouncing them. You can ask Brother Randy. He's always trying to correct me. <laughs> then the, then the Rabbisheka stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you for, from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us from this city. Shall not be given unto you the hand of King Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present and come out to me and every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree and every one of you drink the water of his own cistern. Until I come and take you away to the land like your own. A land bred vineyard and a land of olives and groves and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, the, the, the messenger sent this proclamation out and said, listen, this is what the king wants. And he, and he told him, he said, do not listen to what Hezekiah has got to say. Can I tell you today that we live in a, in a time when there's voices all over America trying to tell the church what to do? trying to tell how we should perform, how we should act, or how we should walk, or how we should talk. And there's voices all around us, but there's only one voice that really counts. And that's the voice that Hezekiah went to, and that was his God. Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's divorce, maybe your wife or your husband has left you, 
whether it's a bad medical diagnose, whether it's a, a daughter or a son that's a wayward child, or whether it's in need of a job, our, 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 our greatest aspect to do, our greatest thing that we could do for anything is find us a place and stretch out before the Lord and allow God to intervene on our behalf. Listen, God is no respecter of a person. If he blessed Hezekiah, would he not bless us also? And I always think that the nation is all around us. Every nation seems to be in trouble today. America seems to even be in trouble today. Everywhere we go, there's something happening and we hear voices that saying this is happening and that's happening and, and uh, this is bad and that's bad. And, and now there's talk that uh, uh, there could be a nuclear thing start happening over uh, from Russia. Then there's uh, 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 another talk that listens in the back of our head and says, listen, I'm fixing to do some glitching around the, uh, uh, the world. I'm going to make some uh, glitches happen where maybe... We'll be out of electorate or we'll be out of all this stuff. Listen to me, church. Our God is more powerful than any nuclear bomb. Our God is more powerful than any glitches, any computers, anything that the world has to offer. And Hezekiah just seemed to know that, listen, God, you're greater than any king, uh, uh, any king of any nation. You're just as powerful and more powerful than anybody on all the earth. And so, God, I decide that I'm going to go to you. Now, I don't know if he wrote it down and gave him a letter when he went into the place to pray. I don't know how Hezekiah did it, but I do know this. Habakkuk 2 and 2 and 3 says, The Lord answered and said, Write the vision he has on the tablet so he may run who reads it. For the vision await. For still the vision, wait for it. For it's appointed time. Wait for it to the end. It will not lie. If it seemed to be slow, if the answer's not there yet or if it's not coming to pass yet, don't freak out. Wait for it. It will surely come and it will not delay. See, I believe sometimes it's good to write down what we have need of. I think sometimes it's just good to put it on a piece of paper and say, Lord, I, I need a miracle here today. God, if you don't intervene, it's not going to be good. God, I, I need a miracle in the making. God, I, I've come as far as I could go. My mind is bombarded. I'm full of confusion and frustration and worry and stress. I've been laboring and fighting this thing for years and days and weeks and months, and it's turned into chaos in my brain. And then, 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 then I write a scripture down where it says, He will give him or her perfect peace whose mind stays upon me. See, I believe that everything that we go through, the scripture, there's a scripture to combat that thing. I believe everything that, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. Huh. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Huh. 
The doctor just gave me a diagnosis and says, listen, it's just done everything, but it's over. I'm telling you, Jesus said, he's my healer. I said, he said, he's my healer. I don't care what report I get, God, I believe your report. No sickness, no disease, no plague. Psalms 91 and 1 is one of the best Scriptures that you can look at in the Bible during times of difficulty and times of not understanding life and times of wondering where God is. <laughs> he or she that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Listen, when the world said it's over, I believe there's a shadow hovering over the church. When the world says there's no hope, there's no help, there's no way out of it, there's a there's a, a angel wings that's hovering over it. Because he said, I'll give my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh to me or my family. I'm going to war. If I have to go to war on my knees, I'm going to do what it takes. But I'm coming out of this thing stronger than ever before. See, it does. It says, he that dwelleth or she that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings ye shall take refuge. He is truth shall be your shield and your buckler. He shall not, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor by the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that might walk in the darkness nor in the destructions that lay waste in the noonday. A thousand could fall at your hide, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come nigh to you and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge Jesus, even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you I believe that Hezekiah when he prayed and sought God and he said God listen they're going to destroy us I must as well face up to it I'm not bigger than this king he's the biggest baddest king around and, 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 and listen God if you don't intervene I, I'm not going to make it and sometimes church we might feel like that we might feel like that the world is bigger than us right now. We might feel like we're overshadowed by a lot of things. But when I begin to think on the goodness of my God, when I begin to think about he shall supply every one of my needs, when I begin to think about he's the healer, he that dwelleth in that secret place, I'll hide you, I'll cover you. All they that wait upon the Lord, I shall renew your strength. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will walk and not faint. I'm telling you that when you think about how God said the word of God is a lamp unto us. When you think about the goodness of the Lord he said I'll heal all your sicknesses, all of your diseases. This ain't Mike Burton's word. This is the word of the Lord. It's what he says. When he said Jarvis's daughter shall live she lived. When he said that Lazarus was asleep he was asleep but rose again. When he rose upon the third day. I'll tell you how powerful he was. That the day that he died, the graves were split open and those that was dead begin to walk out and go into the city. Don't tell me that my God can't do anything that we need him to do, church. When we pray, we must believe. I believe that when we 
hold hands and uh, agree together for one thing in mind that, that my God's bigger. I don't look at what I see. I know what I know. I don't look at the circumstance in front of me. I look at the God that's able to say, listen, Moses put down the rod on the Red Sea and you're going to walk on dry ground. I believe the God that I've got is that God today. That'll herald the devil. That'll make the devil mad because our God is the great God of the universe. When he made the decorations of independence and all the men got together that day, they put God in this Bible before anything else. And he, they made a covenant with God and said, God, we'll serve you all the days of our life and we'll walk with you in your statutes. And you know, they did that. Well, can I tell you, there's still Bible-believing people today that's still holding the statues of God. And as long as you and I, the church is here, I don't care what happens. We're going to be saved by the blood of Jesus. We're going to be covered by the angel's wings. The world around us might fall apart, but I'm a child of God. I'll never fall apart. That's just the truth. As long as I'm here, America's not going to go down. Listen to me, church. As long as I'm here, God's not going to go down. He's not going to let America go down. I believe that with all my heart. I believe as long as the church is still here, woo-wee, if we only knew how much power was in this room, all power I've given to you in heaven and earth. Man, we're, we Pentecostal, we're some devil-chasing people. <laughs> I said we're some devil-chasing people. <laughs> when I sing that song, we've got the power in the name of Jesus, I mean it tonight, church. There's no weapon formed against you that's going to ever prosper. Listen to me. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. There's no weapon formed against you that's going to prosper. If you stay, if you meditate upon this word day and night, uh, just like a tree planted by the water, I'm telling you, we can see and ask what we need and God will take care of it. I believe that there's nothing that is impossible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. I'm trying to tell you something tonight, church. We're not weak. We're not anemic tonight. You can look at me and tell this old boy's been eaten. Ah, uh, yeah, you can. You can tell. Uh, he not just been eating a, a, a salad either. Huh? Um, I'm full of baloney, Randy would say. But you can tell I'm not anemic right now. I'm blessed to be healthy. There might be a day that I might get tried, but I know who holds tomorrow. Church, I'm telling you, I can't emphasize it enough. I, I believe this with all my heart. It's not over until God says it's over. When he, when he says it's over, then I give up <laughs> on that situation that I'm facing. But as long as I'm alive and I believe in God, I'm going to believe that victory, victory shall be mine. I believe in the rugged cross. I believe that there's nothing that I can, uh, 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 can't do through Christ. I believe that when you pray tonight, church, and this is where I'm trying to go, when we pray, we lay our petitions before him. Huh? Listen. 
We lay them down at his feet. We lay them down, whether we lay prostrate or whether we just stand and pray. We're, we're praying to a God that is listening to us. I don't worry about the now. I worry about the end result. Because I know that if I've got to walk through it, that God will bring me through it. Whatever the situation is, I believe that my God's big enough. Hezekiah was scared. His people was fixing to go under. He was going under. He had been killed in a matter of time. But I could just see Hezekiah praying and saying, Jesus, we need you, God. They're fixing to take over. Then all of a sudden, God speaks to a prophet to tell him all is going to be okay. You're not going to pick up a shotgun. <laughs> You're not going to pick up a sword. <laughs> You're not going to do any of that stuff. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to go outside and there'll be dead corpses all around you. <laughs> the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but it's mighty through God of pulling down strongholds. We're not fighting each other. I don't have to try to fight with my hands or my, my fist. <laughs> I fight with my mouth, seeking out to God that God would intervene. I speak in a heavenly language when I don't know how to pray. I go off into another world, another dimension that he knows exactly what I'm saying and and he knows exactly what I need. And he comes on our behalf and delivers us. He comes. He comes. Why are we where we're at today in Christ and what are we doing today? We're doing it because we know we serve a living God. I'm more excited about the Lord being 63 than I was at 23. Of course, I didn't know him much at 23. I'm more excited about God than I was 43. Here I am, 63. I found, a, I found something in him that's real. Like never before. I've always knew it was there, but there's just something. Something about that name of Jesus. He said, if I have faith as just a grain of mustard seed, I can say to this mountain, mountain, be moved. And it has to go. Church, when I can't pray the way that I want to pray, I believe I've got four people in this church that can lure me down to where Jesus is at. And Jesus could look at them and say, you're healed, Mike Burton. Not because of your faith, but because of their faith. See, God honors our prayer. So when you feel like your back is turned up against the wall and you feel like that this is it, this is over. I don't know, but I'm saying this here tonight. And you, you know the story of my daughter. And she had leukemia. They had to rush her from Springfield Hospital after she had diagnosed her, and they put all kinds of chemical in her. She was 
flattening. She was going downhill at Springfield Hospital, and it was a good hospital, but they just couldn't do no more for her. So they rush her to Barnes Hospital. Two days she's in there. She's losing blood uncontrollably. Her blood pressure is barely even on the stick. They couldn't even hardly get it a couple times. And the doctor looked at me and my son-in-law, and he said, guys, he said, I, I'm sorry, but just call the family in. I'll never forget getting around that bed when she was there. Had no, didn't even know we was in the room because she was just out of it. And I said, God, I believe that she's going to live and not die and declare the goodness of the Lord. And as I prayed and tears come down my eyes, I grunted my son-in-law because he was scared and shaking and freaking out. And he said, I don't know what to do. I said, we can't do nothing. Let's just watch the Lord and what he does. Everybody come in. We went around. I said, let's all grab hands. I said, they're taking her down and they're going to try this and they don't know if she's going to come up from the table when we do it, but we gathered hands and we prayed, God, let the healing virtue. This is the last time. Listen to me. Somebody needs this. This is the last time I might see my daughter alive. They rolled her down. I grabbed her hand. I said, baby, you're going to make it. You're going to make it, baby. Everything in me was shouting, no, she's not. But I had something greater in me than what was shouting no. I remember I said, you're going to make it, baby. They got her down there. They called several doctors in, and all of a sudden they was there and everything. Her blood pressure just shot up. Her blood stopped immediately. And those doctors was so lost in what to do. All of a sudden, she opened her eyes up and began to talk like something normal. And they brought her up there. Listen to me. They brought her up there, and they put her back in that ICU room. And she was talking to every one of us, laughing and smiling. 30 minutes ago, she was dying. Listen to me. 30 minutes ago, she was on her deathbed. And all of a sudden... And it wasn't two hours later they had pulled her in another room. And she got out of ICE. They took the, all the stuff off of her. And with two days, she was out of the hospital. So see, that's my story. That's how big I know God is. Now, I don't understand some things that happen. Don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not dumb. I know things happen that we just don't understand. But I know that when we serve God and things happen, that God's in our control and he knows what's best for us. Would you stand? I know I